Hi, welcome to the Acts Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. I want to go into uh, uh, just preaching God's Word right now. And every year during summer, we are so blessed to uh, have kind of like a half-time look at the year. I've said this a few times before, uh, but I, I, I mean it especially in today's service. Every year, summer, because over here, we are so blessed to have summer. And summer, during summer, things slow down. People go on holiday. And for us, the church, a lot of students also fly. Either they graduate and fly off or they fly home for a short break before coming back in again. And of course, when September comes, it's a new intake comes in. So new people will be joining our church, etc. And God has always given us this opportunity to uh, take a break to refresh ourselves, but to also review and to look at the year that has happened so that we can re-strategize and prepare uh, for the new intake and, and the next half of 2019. I know, don't get technical with me. It's technically July, so we passed the half, half mark point, I know. Uh, but God wants to uh, uh, use summer as a season to speak to our soul, to refresh us so that we can get ready for His plans and His purposes for the second half. And... You know, I really am so blessed that every year since we've been doing church over the summer, uh, this is our third year running church over the summer, and uh, there will be at least uh, one, one service, one message where I really feel God download His plan for us as individuals and as His church. And I really feel that today's message is that. And so I want you to encourage me as I preach because uh, the, the thoughts are so fresh. Uh, the, the download is still so fresh and I'm, I'm doing my best to arrange the thoughts in a way where we can catch something uh, that will benefit not just the church because I know we are visiting as well, but I also want you to catch the heart of God because how many know that there's, the church is not a building, it's not an organization, it's not me and Pastor Cat. it's all of us. All of us make up the church and together all of us, we we make up the big church, the big C, the body of Christ. Amen? And so I really believe that God wants to download something important into our souls today. And so I want you to just, I know, prepare your hearts and, and allow me to pray for us even before I carry on with my preaching. Lord, we thank you uh, that your word is life-giving. Your word is life-transforming. So right now, we want to ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. Humbly, I stand before you, Holy Spirit, asking that you would allow uh, me to be a good carrier of your message so that they can hear your voice and your truth to, through my presentation. And so God, I ask also that your Holy Spirit will be with us here to be our counsellor, to be the spirit of truth, to reveal uh, everything that we will read in a while, cause every word, every scripture to come alive, let it jump out of the pages of the Bibles we're reading it from into our hearts to transform us from the inside out so that we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's been such an eventful week and time for the UK. And just last week, I was texting Pastor Kenneth, our senior pastor, our global senior pastor, I might add, who is this weekend ministering in Singapore. That's why he's the global one. He gets to travel to all the places to speak. And I was just telling him, I'm saying, hey, Pastor, guess what? We have a new prime minister. Not trying to be political, just stating a fact. We have a new Prime Minister. And uh, I was just saying that, wow, you know, in the short time that we've been here, and me, and, me and Pastor Kat, uh, my wife, by the way, uh, has uh, you know, been here for maybe about five years. It's about almost, almost five years now we've been here. And in the five years that we've been here, we've seen three Prime Ministers. And uh, it's, it's not something that happens all the time. And so I was just kind of like texting Pastor Kenneth and saying, oh, wow, Pastor Kenneth, we're living in such exciting times. And I said that, you know, I, 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 I realize now when God says that I've raised you up for such a time as this, and I realize now that even me and Pastor Kat, our time here in the UK is really for such a time as this, because what other time would you see so much movement and change? You know, referendum after referendum, uh, you know, uh, different things going on. You no know, three prime ministers, two general elections in just five years. And, and it's really like, wow. And I, th I thought I'll just get maybe like an amen from Pastor Kenner. And, but I, I, I got something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't trying to be funny or trying to be over-spiritual, uh, but it definitely took me off guard. And it was basically this. He says, that, wow, yes, you know, this, this, this just tells me that the end times are coming. I, I, 
<laughs> I know all your faces like, whoa. That escalated quickly. The same thing, the same thing. I was feeling the same thing. I was like, oh. I thought maybe pastor said, yeah, amen. You know, God's going to use you all like praying for the UK, big changes coming. The end times. The end times. But it was a good surprise because I was not only knocked back by the word a little bit, oh, end times, oh, such a serious word, pastor. You know, it really escalated quickly. And I begin to hear the Holy Spirit check in my heart and go like, actually, when was the last time you seriously considered about the end times? And I realized this, that, you know what? And I'm not here to talk about the end times and who will be the Antichrist, and what will be the mark of the beast. We all know it's Apple. No, I'm just joking. Uh, joking, 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 joking. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to talk about what seals to open, you know, what, 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 which country would declare war. I'm not saying that. But the reality that everything that we enjoy right now will have an expiry date. The, the word end times woke me up to, to remember again that we're not on holiday. You see, when you're on holiday, you're just there to enjoy yourself. And God wants us as a church and wants us as Christians to wake up again and go like, Christians, you're not saved to be on holiday. And yet many times we are saved and we treat our time here on planet earth like a holiday. We do what we want. We fly to wherever we feel like. We, 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 we take it at our own pace like a holiday. Amen? When you take on holiday, you go on your own pace. Oh, you know. You know especially if, if you're on a non-budget holiday, you have all the budget in the world, you'd be like, oh, I'm in France. Maybe I'll see the Eiffel Tower today. Maybe I won't. You know, but if you're on a budget holiday, you're going to see everything now today. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, we, we live a life like, oh yes, I'm safe and let me take it easy. Oh, maybe I'll go to church this week. Maybe I won't. Oh, 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 oh you know, prayer meeting again. You know what? I'm not really a prayer meeting kind of guy. Oh, serving, oh, serving. You know, maybe, maybe I'll pray about it. Christians love saying this, right? Hey, so-and-so, you've been coming. Would you like to serve? Uh, let me pray about it. Pray about it. God saved us and we've got to pray about serving Him. Uh, do, do you see how deceitful our hearts can be? And I begin to realize, you know, that God is saying to us, you know what, I want you to remind my church. And that's, that's what we are. We are His church. This is not our church. This is His church, God's church. You know, the, the, the church of God, we exist for God's glory. And God wants to remind us as Acts Church, there is a season. There is an expiry date. We cannot take for granted that we're going to be here forever. We cannot take for granted that we're forever going to be in London. There is an end time. There is, a, 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 you know, things are only going to spiral more out of control, but we shouldn't wait until then to panic and try to save souls. We got to be a church and rise up and, and start saving souls now. Start impacting. And I begin to realize that what the Holy Spirit wanted to tell me was to shake us up as a church and go like, look, the, the end times is still real. It's going to happen when we don't know, but you're going to prepare for it. You're going to prepare like it's going to happen soon. And, and that's, the, that's the urgency that God wants to place back into our hearts. Because many times we think that, oh, end times. And I think that this is also a strategy of the devil because the devil wants us to believe that the end times is like, man, war against war. So sometimes as Christians, we go like, let me wait until there's war, nations against nations, then I'll start repenting. Let me wait until when the, when the pound as a currency hits zero versus the ringgit, then I'll repent. You know, of course, Malaysians will go like, that's not too bad. No, 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 no. Okay, you're here, but we're here to bless this land, amen? And, and, and it's not that that, but in fact, we gotta, we got to be ever ready. Ever ready that God can come back just like that. You know, a, a scary thought, if, if Jesus was to come back right now, how would you react? Amen? And God is saying that, look, I'm not a boogeyman, but I want my church to be prepared. But secondly, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me. Another reason I want you to be prepared, because I want to move. The Holy Spirit wants to move. You know, many times as Christians, we forget how blessed we are. You know, we are loved by the perfect God. 
No, our God, He's three, but one. Amen? Three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father who loves us, Jesus who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Sometimes we forget the magnitude, how blessed we are, how loved we are. Our God is three, but one, perfect, perfect. You know, a lot of times I, and people get confused, why Trinity is a bit weird, but I say actually Trinity is perfect. It means that God, He's three, but one. One in vision, one in value, one heart, one soul, three distinct, but one. Why is it important for three distinct? Because it means that even before God created the first angel, he knew how to love. And he was already receiving love. And even if the whole universe was void and just God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there would still be love. That to me paints a very perfect picture of our God. Because if our God is only one God, as some faiths will declare, our God is one. There's no other God except our God, one. You, you know what I'm talking about. But that's a very lonely and imperfect God because that God needed to create, to, to give love and to receive love. And until he created the first thing, he didn't know how to love. But God, even before he created, he knew how to love and he received love and he's perfect in that way. And so we serve a very perfect God. We are loved by a per- very perfect God. But one thing we forget is that that perfect God loved us so much, picked us out of our sin and shame and out of the fiery pit and rescued us and, and set our feet upon the rock. But with that rock comes a purpose. And the Holy Spirit wants to move. A lot of us, we forget, we think that the Holy Spirit is maybe here to guide us. The Holy Spirit is here to give us wisdom. But the Holy Spirit is here to empower us. And the Holy Spirit, He he wants to move constantly. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is always on the move. He's never motionless. And in Genesis, He was hovering, moving. You know, when, when, when in the book of Acts, when he came, he came in a rushing wind. He's, he's never slow. He's fast. He's furious. He's the real fast and furious. Okay, I know that's lame, but the Holy Spirit. And I feel that many times for Christians, we forget that we want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. But then after that, the Holy Spirit is in us going like, I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. You know, and, and this is biblical. In, in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus says, that those who believe in Him, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. God is trying to remind us as a church that too many times we want the Holy Spirit and then we contain Him and then we stagnate Him. But God's nature, the Holy Spirit's nature is that He wants to move. So much so that when you believe in Jesus and when you have God and the Holy Spirit living in you, out of you will flow. The Holy Spirit say, I, in, I live in you so that I can flow through you. I live in you so that I can do a work through you, in you and through you. Even in, in Acts chapter 2, oh sorry, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, and, and empower you to become witnesses. Witnessing is an outward thing. You don't witness by being quiet. You witness by talking. You witness by, by living out. So the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to come in you so that something better can come out of you. And so God is saying to us as church, as an individual that, hey, you're not at church by name only. The book of Acts chronicalized the, the great move of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit wants to move. With everything that this nation is going through, people need to see and experience the move of God again. Not in a weird way, but in a tangible, powerful way. And God is saying to us as a church, I want to move. I'm, I'm, that's my nature. That's my character. If you want to be like me, God says that you're going to move because I'm a God who is always on the move. And the Holy Spirit is always on the move. If you believe in me, something needs to flow out of you. The question is, what is flowing out of you? Is it just complaint? Is it just self-centeredness? Or is it living water that can go on to bless other people? Living water blesses other people, not stagnant water, not dirty water, not smelly water. But too many times, we, we as Christians, we, we just consume and consume and consume. You know, we go for conference or, or we listen to podcasts so much, there's so much in us, but then after a while, that, that water just stagnates. You know, have you drank bottled water that has been kept in a car boot for over two years? I know, Pastor, you're saying that's a very strange example. I'm only saying that because I have. And it's yucky. 
but it's bottled, still yucky. It can be bottled water, fresh water, mineral water, spring water, but if it's bottled up, set aside, it, it turns stale. But how come? The, the seal's not broken, stale. But if it's poured out, it can wash. If it's poured out, it can heal. If it's poured out, it can refresh. If it's poured out, it can hydrate. God wants us to be a church that He can pour Himself in and through. And so God is saying to us, this is something that we're going to catch as individuals. But secondly, this is something that we're going to catch as a church because our God doesn't like to waste. He doesn't like to waste time. He doesn't like to waste opportunity. So I really believe, I know this is funny because summer, and of course yesterday we had rain, uh, but, I, but God gave me this, this, this picture in my mind that there, he, he wants to come hover over our church like a big rain cloud, ready to pour out. Ready to pour out. Big, fat. Have you seen a big, fat rain cloud? It's so dark, but, but you can smell the wetness in the air. You know what I'm saying? And then you go like, oh, something. It's going to be an outpouring. And I feel that the Holy Spirit said, that's what I want to do. But are you ready to receive? And not only are you ready to receive, God began to paint me this picture, an agricultural picture. I'm no agricultural expert. But one thing I know is that in certain farming you know, uh, fields, uh, they have this thing called irrigation. That means they dig trenches, they dig pathways so that water can flow into those fields. And I feel that God has seen that, you know, the harvest, God wants to bring down an outpouring so that the harvest can begin to flourish, but are the channels ready? Are the irrigations ready? Have you as a church dug out or are you still stuck? Is there still rubbish in places where He wants to flow? Because if there is, He's not going to cause an outpouring. Or even if He does pour out, it will not have maximum impact. And so today, I want us as a church to begin to, you know, ready ourselves for the good flow of the Holy Spirit. Which incidentally is also the title of, of a message, the good flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so there are three things I feel that God wants us to check. Three things we got to get right before He begins to pour out over us as a church, as, as individuals, so that, you know, through us, people around us can be blessed. Do you know that God has placed us here really strategically? You know, last Tuesday, we were so blessed uh, to pray, but not only pray as a church, but to do a prayer walk. And uh, for some of them, it was their first time, uh, but it was powerful because even as walking, we could feel the presence of God. We could feel the presence of God moving with us, so we were almost, almost, not, I don't like, because it sounds like I'm bragging, but it almost feels like in the, in the Old Testament days where people would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, you know, around the battlefield and around Jericho. It felt like we were doing that. As we were walking around, we were carrying the presence of God. As we were walking around, we were praying. As we were walking around, God was also revealing. He's in the Acts Church. You know that there's a hospital nearby. There are sick people that need my healing. Actually, you know there are universities nearby. And those are universities that are famous. Praise God. I'm not, not saying that if you don't study nearby here, that you know, all good. All universities are good. But famous in the sense that other nations will come to study. And so God was reminding us that I brought you. Actually, do you know that you're here in Houston for such a time as this, you're here in Houston, there's hospitals in the you're here in Houston and, and King's Cross and surrounding area, there are nations at your doorstep. Think about it, there are nations at our doorstep. London is such a unique city where in a bus ride, you can hear five languages being spoken at the same time. For such a time as this. And God is saying that as we walk, and as we walk around, we saw people who were downtrodden and homeless. And God is reminding us to know that they are, they are the poor that need me and they are the broken that need me. And as we're walking around, we see tourists and then God begins to reveal to us, do you know that you exist for this city? Not just for your little postcode, but for this city. You know, because we're walking past hotels and God was reminding again us nations, nations, nations. Because we're walking past, we could see people from different nations, different nationalities, speaking different languages, walking past us. You know, walking past all these places and then there were plaques that says that, you know, famous person so-and-so used to live here. You know, one of the founders of Pakistan used to live here. Charles Darwin used to live here. Be like, wow. You know, God's really, there's, there's so much, 
uh, no purpose. There's so much hidden purpose behind it. The question is, as a church, will we step up? Will we step up? And to step up, we got to check ourselves and clear out some rubbish. So I got three points for you. Three points, three hard checks to make sure that we are able to flow the Holy Spirit and that He will flow freely and powerfully in us. Amen. How many of us want to be used by the Holy Spirit? Amen. Come on. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and prophesy. I'm just saying that, come on, you've got to have a desire. How many of us want to? Amen. How many want to? How many believe that, that the, the, the Bible is still relevant today? You know, how many believe that when God says that, that, that we can heal, he, He's not talking about for some of the elite Jewish people in the New Testament. He's talking about all of us. Gentiles and Jew and Greek alike. You know, it's all of us, you know, and, and I believe that. And I want to see us as a church. In fact, no, forget church because not all of us are, and some of us are visiting. I want to see Christians rise up to be who we're meant to be. Christians are meant to represent God and our God heals. Christians are meant to represent miracles because our God is a God of miracles. You know, we're supposed to be people who will be daring enough to walk around. And, and when people, uh, uh, you know, ask us for advice, we're able to give them the best godly advice. You know, when people are going through problems, we will be able to pray and, and see that, that mountain move. That's my heart's cry. That's God's heart's cry for all of us. But specifically today for us, as a church, He wants to see us become like that. But to become such an effective Christian, to become, you know, the, the book of Acts, you know, in 2019 again, the first thing we've got to do is that we've got to love God more than these. In John chapter 21, 15 to 17, last week we, we studied the life of Peter and his constant journey of saying yes to God. But he also had to say yes to God in, in this very powerful encounter. After denying Christ three times, he had to affirm his love for Christ three times. And I don't think God was trying to just you know, do three for three. I think God was trying to remind him you know, God, when He repeats something, is to drive it into our skulls. So I pray that today, you know, we will be reminded. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to me again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. As a pastor, I realized that many times when I challenge people, come on, we're going to start living for Christ. There's usually two excuses. One, I'm too scared. Two, I don't care. I don't care. You know, people, so what? Do you know that God never put caring for people as a criteria? He says, do you love me? Because if you love God, you will care for people. So if, friends, if you're sitting here and going like, oh, I heard this message before. You know what? I'm praying for the things. It's not really my thing. The question is, do you really love Jesus? <laughs> because if you really do, you will take care of His people. If you, and and that, was, that was the point that Jesus was driving back. Peter, I'm not asking you to be anointed. Peter, I'm not asking you to be charismatic. Peter, I'm not asking you to even love people. As a pastor, I can tell you, people are hard to love. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I love you. Don't judge me. <laughs> but it's hard. But what keeps me going? My love for people? No, my love for God. Remembering that I was once a sinner, that God loved me. So I got to love people who are difficult to love because I was once difficult to love and maybe still am difficult to love. And therefore, I need to, I need, my focus is on God. And God is again as, reminding us as a church, you know, maybe this word, do you love me more than these? Let's, let's unpack this word. God wants to flow. But do you know what can come in the way of the flow of God? A lot of things. Just using the prayer walk example again. I didn't ask them. I know some of them were, were new. I didn't ask them uh, too much. But I knew that some of them were so nervous and awkward. Huh, Pastor, you want me to pray around? So I'm going to walk around this area. Some of us live in this area, Pastor. Some of us fellowship in this area after church, Pastor. And you want me to walk around and pray? Pastor, I don't have headphones. If, at least let me put my headphones on. 
so that people would think that I'm having a conversation with someone. You want me to walk around and pray? Yeah. If you want the flow of God, you've got to love me more than these. Sometimes over these is what do these people think? You're there at your office and God prompts you. Your colleagues are going to come and share about her marriage problems. I want you to pray. Pray. God, don't you know, you know, my office is very sensitive about this kind of things, you know. I, I might get a HR complaint. And yet God wants us to remember, do you love me more than these? Do, do you love me? But God, do you love me? But the HR, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your friends judging you? Do you love me more than you losing face? Do you love me more than a potential HR complaint? Do you love me more than these? Because if you do, and we all knew what happened in Peter's life when he said yes. He went on to raise the dead. He went on to preach to 3,000. He went on to perform miracle after miracle after miracle. He went on to establish God's kingdom and church. You see, we want that dream, but then we don't want to pay the price of loving God more than these. Can I be honest with you? Me and Pastor Cat, we don't always fight. Uh, but when we do fight, it's usually about the wrestling match of putting God first. Recently, we got into a slight argument about to take a holiday or not to take a holiday. Nothing wrong with holidays. But then my heart was, God, I love you more than these. I love you more than that location. But it's a good time to go to that location. But God, if you, if you want me to do something, I, I know I'm not here on holiday. Christians, we're going to ask ourselves, do, do we love God? Some of us are graduating. You're going, to, you're going to be young adults soon. I'm going to tell you, holidays will be your next temptation. Next thing I'm going to ask you, do you love God more than these? Do you love God more than your success? Do you love God more than your comparison game? Do you love God more than your own personal dreams coming true? If you want God to flow in you and through you, the answer is that you've got to love God more than these. I'm not asking you to fail. I'm just asking you to love God more than these. So do well, but love God more than whatever you're putting into your work, whatever you're putting into your family, whatever you're putting into everyday life. You've got to. If you want to, if you don't want the book of Acts to be a Christian dream of yours and you want it to be a reality, then you've got to say yes to loving God more than these. That's a hard check. Amen. And it means different things for different ones. For some of us, you know, before you, God can use you to pray for the sick, you've got to come to church on time. And the question that God will have to ask you is this, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than your convenience? Do you love me more than your sleep? Do you love me more than your snooze button? Or are we going to say, you know what, God is a God of grace. So He doesn't mind if I come 30 minutes late. I can tell you, the pastor doesn't mind because, you know, we're here to love everyone. But God minds, actually. God minds. God minds. Because He is the one that saves us. He is the one that is worthy to worship. And, and every week we come together because He commanded us to come together and, and we don't take that command seriously. God minds. So the problem, no, the pastor will still stand there and welcome you. You know? But God minds. And we've got to begin to ask ourselves, am, am, is my mind on the things of God or on the things of man? Do I want the applause of man or do I want the applause of heaven? Every day as you're living your life, is God up in heaven going, oh man, that's my kid, I'm so proud. Or is God up in heaven going like, no, 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 no. I pray that we will love God more than these. Point number two, heart check number two. Compassion. A lot of us, we want to see God move. God used me to prophesy. God used me to heal the sick. The question is, are you compassionate? Matthew chapter 14, 14. Jesus had compassion and then He healed their sick. He was moved with compassion. As Christians, before we can tell the world what we are about, what we believe in, 
we've got to first know what we are about and what we believe in. We're going to know who we stand for, and I hope that is God more than all of these. And when we got to know in our heart of hearts who we stand with, and that's to have compassion. Compassion is a word that's defined as understanding another person's pain. As Christians, when was the last time you understood another person's pain? Before miracles can happen, God needs your heart to break first. And that's why Jesus, before He healed the sick, He was moved by their compassion. Now, before God can flow through us, we've got to melt our heart if our heart is icy cold. Let me ask you this. The next time you walk past the streets of London and you see someone who is downtrodden, someone who is broken, does your heart ache for him? Or do you walk faster? and try to ignore Him. As Christians, we got to learn to start feeling the pain of other people. As Christians, but pastor, you don't understand, the area I live is, is very dangerous. If I slow down, I might be... I'm not asking not to be vigilant, but I'm also saying that can you at least feel the pain? I'm not asking you to be able to help all the time because we have limited resources but can you at least feel the pain? You see, Peter and John had limited resources, but they felt the pain. Gold and silver, I have none. You know why they say I have none? Because earlier on in the chapter, they gave it all away. They shared it with the rest of the church. But when they still saw the person, they didn't go, oh, now that I've got nothing, I'm just, just going to walk faster. Now that I have nothing, but because I feel the pain, God is able to use me to give something. Do, do you understand? You know, so, so where do we start church? If you have something, give something. If you don't have something, you're going to feel the pain. In fact, you're going to feel the pain before you give something. Don't just give out of pity and here you go, leave me alone. Feel the pain. Feel the pain. Every person. You know, now, very excitingly, uh, you know, the, this church, you know, we, we bring the men out. You know, because I believe that masculinity is not about muscles or about, you know, how many you know, girlfriends you have or how, how, what kind of cars you drive or, 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 you know, how many packs you have. It's really about compassion. It's really about caring for people. So, so every now and then, you know, we take all the men out or as much men as want to come because not all them will come. So maybe you got to love God more than these. And then we come and then we cook together. Some of them have to learn to knife skills, but we learn together. Some of them have to cut themselves. We will bandage up together before we feed the poor. But my joy is that now we have moved. We started by just feeding, 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 feeding. Now, by going out enough, the people remember our name and we remember their name. And in the last trip, we even had the opportunity to pray for some of them. Because by now, they know, they've received, they've received and by the time now we go, like, we don't have anything else, but brother, can I pray for you? And, it's, and then you'll be surprised how desperate they are. Yes, yes. I've actually put in an application. Sometimes you think, oh, what can I pray? And then one person says that, actually, I put in an application uh, for, for, for housing. And uh, the social officer came and see me, and they say that they think I qualify, but they say they will let me know in two months' time. Anyone who lives in this country who has to deal with the home ministry or any government entity will know that two months feels like eternity. Those of you who are not nodding your head, it's okay. Your day will come. <laughs> but for some of us, we know. We know. And so we know that two months can feel like eternity. And so we say, brother, can I pray for you? Yes. Yes. But you see, before I can even pray, I got to feel for my brother. Are you allowing yourself to feel? Or are we as Christians numbing ourselves? Maybe the next time we walk the streets, we're going to stop listening to some Christian music and start listening to what's actually happening. Sometimes we're just in our little Christian bubble. Maybe it's time to pop that Christian bubble and, and look around and go like, actually, there's a broken person here. God, you allow me to take this, this route to work for the last three months and every time I walk past, I see this person. God, I know you are not a God of coincidence. 
God, help me to do something. Help me to, 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 to do something. And then I know what will immediately come. Oh, but I'm, I'm scared. Oh, what if I go and then the person's dishonest? But do you love me more than these? Do you see how it's connected? Do you see what the Holy Spirit is doing? Have compassion. Oh, but then it's not easy. Do you love me more than these? But what if the person, do you love me more than these? But what if it's not genuine? Do you love me more than these? But what if he takes my money? Do you love me more than these? Yes, God. If I don't want the book of Acts to be a pipe dream, then yes, God, I love you more than this. If you don't want every prophecy to have been spoken over you to be just a dead seed, then you've got to love Him more than this to activate that. Point number three. Like I said, as Christians, you've got to know what you stand for. We stand for God. We stand with people. See, that's how it works. I stand for God, but I stand with people. So I want to bring people to God that I stand for. I want to bring people to God, uh, you know, and, and to live by the values that, that, that He teaches us that I stand for. But as Christians, it's okay. And I'm going to give you permission this. And maybe, not just permission. As Christians, we need to be angry. Now, I'm not talking about judgment, hating people who are different. I'm talking about a different type of anger. I'm talking about righteous anger. I'm talking about John 2, chapter 17, where Jesus himself, you know, he, he, he hulked out. He smashed. In John 2, 17, you have just a short recap. After he, he went to the temple, he saw that they made God's temple into a marketplace. As you know, in the Old Testament time, before Jesus' perfect death and sacrifice, you needed, you know, you needed two pigeons, uh, you know, two perfect pigeons to, to sacrifice. And, and so sometimes people come from far away because the only place you could sacrifice was the temple. So sometimes it's hard for them to come all the way because, you know, you try carrying two live pigeons without hurting them. Because God wanted unblemished sacrifice. So the two pigeons couldn't be tied by the feet and hung over your, your, your shoulder like, like, you know, like chickens led to slaughter. Ah, shut up, you know. You're going to die anyway. No, no, no. This, this needed to be perfect pigeons. You're going to hold them without harming them. You're to give them the best seat on the bus. They might even have to sit on your lap. And so it's not easy to bring unblemished sacrifices to God. That's just two pigeons. When they poop, you can't swear at them. You've got to be like, good pigeon. Don't poop too much. <laughs> I need you to offer up to God. Can you, that's just a pigeon. Can you imagine a cow? Cow. Well, think about it. Actually, every, actually, every cow, every calf that's sacrificed unto God, that's like Wagyu, Kobe. <laughs> right? That's like, you know, cow, cow. <laughs> I will sing to you every day so they can be a good, good sacrifice. Good sacrifice. Anyway, it was when Jesus saw that people took advantage, people knew that it wasn't easy, so they started selling live animals in God's house so that it was convenient. And that's another thing we're going to wrestle with. If you want the flow of God, it's never going to be convenient. It's going to take sacrifice. Anyway, so Jesus was fed up. He made you know, a whip and he chased, he overturned, he, 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 he pushed the, the money changers out. He pushed the, the animal sellers out. He just go like, you know, stop making my father's house a den of thieves, a place of business. Get out! That wasn't cool and calm, Jesus. He wasn't going like, uh, excuse me, um, you know, uh, I've been noticing uh, uh, Mr. Pigeon Seller, you know, um, that I, I, I know your heart. I know your heart, brother. I know your heart. But this is God's house. Some of us, if, if I start going up to you and go like, you know what, this is God's house and we honour Him. So, you know, if you don't come on time, I'm going to lock the doors. You're going to change church. Jesus didn't care. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, as pastors, I'm going to be more like Jesus. No, 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 just joking. Just joking, I love you, I love you. The doors will be open, don't worry. <laughs> But Jesus wasn't nice. And Jesus didn't care. Jesus had a righteous anger that could only be summed up in this word, 
the zeal for your house. He wasn't hating people, but he was just so passionate for God's house that the righteous anger overtook him. As Christians, we stand for God. We stand with people. But what do you stand against? I'm not asking you to stand against people. As you know, it, God doesn't contradict Himself. If you love Him, love His people. But then, I feel that the Holy Spirit recently, because I've been praying for the, this is everything that I'm sharing with you today is it, it, a personal heart's cry. Because I've been praying, God, I'm, I'm you know, now getting to meet my neighbours and getting to know them, but I really want to be more than just a neighbour. God, I, I, I don't, you know, I want, if I want to challenge the church to pray, I, I got to pray. And, and so I've been praying to God and saying, God, teach me how to know how to pray and what to pray. And specifically, how to pray effectively. And the Holy Spirit's been dropping this phrase, which is, Dave, you've got to learn to pray angry sometimes. Because as a Christian, we got to stand against certain things. How many of you will agree that? Right? We, we stand for God, but to stand for God, we've got to stand against something. Even Jesus stood against something. This is my father's house. I love my father, but don't you dare make this a marketplace. This is not what this house is for. He wasn't against the people, but he was against that whole industry. He was against that greed. He was against that spirit of convenience. And sometimes we got to give ourselves a heart check and get angry. Get angry for God. And so, recently, another wake-up call. Uh, Pastor Sandra texted me and, uh, you know, Hey, uh, Dave, did ex London baptize any people this year? I'll be like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I sent you the pictures, you know. And for a moment there, you know, got a bit self-righteous. What do you mean? Oh, of course we baptize people. <laughs> do, you, do you see the report I sent you? Do you see the pictures? You don't read my emails? And I'll go, oh, okay, okay, okay. I must have missed. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, can you send the pictures to me again? Of course. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Send, send, send. And then she asked the second question. Again, not... You know, I think she was just compiling statistics. How many salvations were there in Exxon this year? That's where I, can't be honest with you, that's where I go like, we have people come to know Jesus, but not as much as we should. And, and that was a wake-up call for me because I'm like, if Jesus can be mad that they turn his father's house into something that is not. I suddenly realized that what, what are we as a church existing for? Is this not a city on a hill that cannot be hidden? Is this not a rescue ship for the lost? And I begin to, of course, felt very bad, felt very guilty. Went before God in repentance and go, God, I'm so lousy. And such a, such a bad, you know, whatever. And God says, no, 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 don't, don't throw a pity party, get angry. You should be angry, not at yourself. But there should be an anger that comes upon you and go like, God's house should grow. Do you understand? Do you understand the anger I'm trying to talk about? I'm not talking about abusive, I'm not talking about hate yourself anger. Okay, don't go, what do you learn in church today? My pastor Tommy can be angry. He's always angry at himself. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that, you know, when we don't see so safe, don't you think we should be angry? Not at the worship leader. No. If only you did five more. If, I knew, I knew, I knew, I had a nudge in my spirit that, that you know, that wasn't the right song. No, no, no it wasn't that. You see, that, that's the wrong anger. That's not righteous anger. God wants us to have a zeal for His house. Do you know that you can be powered by anger? You know, positively. <laughs> you can be so angry, oh, I'll prove you wrong. Recently, I read a statistic about churchgoers in the UK. 
and they say that it's recorded at an all-time low. In a very scary uh, statistic, if I'm not mistaken, less than 10% of people in this nation I, I go to church regularly. What God was saying that when you see things like this, when you see injustice, when you see unrighteousness, you need to get angry. You need to be angry and go like, how, how can I call myself a Christian and have that kind of statistics to be around? What am I? I need to, you know, I, I'm so angered by that fact that I need to get better. I'm so angry. Yeah, oh yeah, we have baptized people. Oh yeah, we, we have gotten people saved, but oh, but we, we need to, you know, Jesus, I want to see, I want to see people saved every week. And I need to get angry. I need to not get angry at my church members and not get angry, but I need to, you know, get angry at that statistic and say that I, I, I refuse to live under that label that, that I, I want to I be a, a soul-saving church, a life-transforming church. And, and I want to allow God's zeal, His righteous anger to consume me. In fact, the, the, the translation is that, you know, the, the zeal of your house will consume me it means this, the passion for your house is burning me up. Are you being burned up when you see injustice? Are you being burned up when you see your friends who follow Christ fall away? When, you, when I say get angry, I don't mean get angry at that person. I mean get angry and, and pray angry. I don't know how to, I don't want to pray angry to, to, to show it to you, but... but I, you know, the Holy Spirit has been teaching me, you've got to pray angry. You know, it, it's like recently some people ask me, you know, oh, you know, uh, every now and then we receive news that so-and-so is not feeling well. How do I pray when I don't even know this person? I just get a text message that says that, you know, uh, let's say, you know, Jerome's uh, uncle is sick. Jerome? Who's Jerome? You know, Jerome's not part of my home. So who's Jerome? And go like, it doesn't matter who Jerome's uncle is. How you pray is pray for that person as if that person's your uncle. I know how to pray. So when the Holy Spirit told me to pray angry, it means this. God, I, I, every time you see a cancer statistic, you pray angrily against cancer. Every time you hear or you see your friends fall away, you're going to pray. And God, I, God, in Jesus' name, I declare, God, your intervention right now. Because do you know that your, God gives us our emotion for a reason? Our emotion adds strength and conviction. To our words. So when you see a friend falling away, you go like, oh God, please bless my friend. Or would you go like, God, please, shake him up, God. Which prayer is more powerful? Which prayer do you think has more Holy Spirit? God, you see my friend, he's, he's living unrighteously. He's, you know, he's hurting you. But God, you know, in your own time, touch him. Or would you, God, would you pray and say, God, please, I love my friend, but please show him the error of his ways. God, please intervene. God, please wake him up, shake him up. God, please, out of your mercy and goodness, cause some bad news to happen in his life so that he can wake up and turn to you. And that's what God is saying. Pray with urgency. Pray with rage, pray, pray with righteous anger for Him to move. Do you think God looks at our nation and go like, oh, I'm happy with the UK or, or do you think God's heart is breaking for the UK? I think God's heart is breaking for the UK and we're going to pray in the same emotion as the Holy Spirit so that we can flow with Him. Amen? So I pray that this word, I know it's a lot to unpack and you know, I'm going to wrap things up right now because I really feel that you know, the Holy Spirit will reveal more because we've got to take this back as individuals and as a church to go like, you know what? Do I want to flow with the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? If yes, God, show me what are these things that are holding me back. My complacency, my comfort zone. God, teach me how to be compassionate. And God, help me to learn to stand against. To stand against. Not to live flip-flop Christian lives, but to know what we stand for and what we stand against. Whenever I hear news of one of my friends saying that, oh, I'm getting a divorce. 
I get angry. Not at that person, but at the spirit of divorce that's hovering over the lives of my family and my friends. And I get angry. And I pray that, God, I don't want to see this happen anymore. I stand in the gap right now for my family, for myself. God, change me because I don't want myself to be a statistic. Amen? Let's be to pray with God's heart. Let's be to pray with the emotion of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you love us. But Lord, I also know that you love us too much as individuals and as a church to see us stay stagnant. God, I pray that today we will learn, Lord, to wake up, to realize again that, Lord, you did not put us here for no reason. We are not here just to earn a paycheck. We're not here just to study. We're here to serve you. If you are a child of God, we're here to serve you. So God, while we're here, there are people that we are meant to impact, people that we're meant to love. So God, help me to love them, God. Help me, God, not just to love them with my own abilities, but help me to love them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know you want to move. Holy Spirit, I know you want to heal. Holy Spirit, I know you want to prophesy. Holy Spirit, I know you want to intervene. Holy Spirit, I know, Lord, you... Lord, you want to rescue souls. So God, use me. Use me in a supernatural way. God, throughout the Bible, when we read the book of Acts, every salvation, it happens supernaturally. Every message was supernatural. Every prayer was supernatural. When people pray, things happen. God, help us to live that out today. By flowing with you, Holy Spirit. God, before you pour yourself out, you want to make sure that there are no blockages that will stop the flow. So God, I pray right now that you help us to go back and examine our hearts so that we can be good vessels to channel your anointing, to channel your healing, to channel your wisdom to the people around us so that they can see that the God we serve is real. So they can see and taste and see that the Bible we read is real. And that God is real. He is the spirit of truth. He is real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.